Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please be seated. I bring you greetings from La Iglesia Evangelica Luterana Española, that is, from the Spanish Evangelical Lutheran Church, and also greetings from the Latin American, Caribbean, and the Spain region of the Office of International Mission of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I am Pastor David Warner, and with my wife, Shelley, it is a great privilege for us to be with you here today to receive the Lord's gifts together and to learn a little bit about his mission. As usual, since the mission of the church belongs to God, the word of God before us today offers us fantastic insights as we today focus on that mission of God. These well may be uncomfortable texts for us, however, for they call us to account. Today we have heard remarkable examples of faith, hope, and love, and I don't know about you, but I must confess they put me to shame, these examples of bold confession that I struggle to emulate. I hope it's different for you, but I can attest from my 10 years as a pastor in Montana and almost four in Spain, bearing witness to Christ in my daily life has always been hard for me and also for my members. What about you? When the Holy Spirit serves up an opportunity to speak the truth of Christ in love to your family, your friends, or to a neighbor, how easy is that? Why is it so common that Christians fail to fulfill their role in God's mission? Why is confessing Christ in our daily life so often difficult for us? Why is it so hard for us to speak of the Savior and so be involved in God's mission? Perhaps it's because we haven't been taken captive and enslaved by a conquering army. Like this nameless little girl in our Old Testament reading from 2 Kings, I know of no better example of a Christian obeying our Lord's command, his exhortation that we should love our enemies. And notice how the Holy Spirit uses this child's simple confession of faith to enlarge his kingdom and teach that the salvation of God is for all nations. Stolen from her family, from her homeland, forced to work for the enemy, this child knew that mere earthly slavery and separation could not separate her from the love of God. Her childlike faith overflowed in love for her enemy. Naaman was an otherwise powerful man, commander of the Syrian army, but he was a leper, suffering from that painful and isolating disease. Sharing the compassion of Christ, this little girl says to her mistress, to Naaman's wife, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Her simple confession of the power of the Lord God working through his prophets led to a proto-baptism. Wash and be clean. It led to a proto-baptism and who knows what else. We know it led to faith for Naaman and who else in his family and in his army. So perhaps we, to be more involved in God's mission, should pray for more raiding parties to enslave more of us. 
clearly another problem for us in fulfilling our daily callings as Christians living in a fallen world is that we are not willing to let vengeance belong to the Lord. Sometimes the people to whom we should confess Jesus, the people we could invite here to the divine service, are not very nice. They may be openly hostile to the gospel. They may mock Christianity and treat us shabbily. We may do our part to live peaceably with them, but are we ready to give them for the hope, give them the reason for the hope that we have? Do we really want them in the pew next to us, or are we more like Jonah, angry with the Lord's compassion for those wicked Ninevites? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God will repay, and we in our selfishness also deserve that same vengeance when we deny the Lord's right to love the whole world. The vengeance of God will rain down on the heads of sinners, but today God's mission is to save and not to curse. This is the day the Lord has made, the day of salvation, a day of joy and compassion and forgiveness poured out for all sinners. And so we are called to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Maybe our struggle is because our beloved servant is not paralyzed at home, suffering terribly, and so we don't have sufficient motivation to make a public spectacle, to risk our job and our reputation, to publicly cry out to Jesus for help. The centurion a Roman legion platoon commander, part of the occupying force that was subjugating the Jews, was not supposed to pray publicly to that Hebrew itinerant pastor, that preacher. Pontius Pilate did not need his soldiers fraternizing with those rebellious Israelites. But the centurion's servant was sick. By his actions, it seems clear the centurion loved his servant, who was suffering terribly, lying paralyzed at home, if only Jesus would speak the word, the centurion believed that's all it would take. Jesus, amazed at his great faith, makes a prediction that is both comforting and dismaying. Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Salvation has nothing to do with who your earthly parents are, nor on any outward trait of ours, nor on anything we do. Faith in Jesus and his unique power to save, with just a word, that's the thing. And from time to time, the Lord would have that word spoken through the mouths of his people as means for the Spirit to accomplish his mission each one of us has a calling in God's mission in our daily life according to our vocations. Pastor Rojas to preach publicly and administer the sacraments here. I to minister in Spain. Each of you to confess Christ in your callings as father, mother, brother, neighbor, worker, etc. But we don't need to pray that we be enslaved. We don't have to pray for our loved ones to suffer terribly and be paralyzed in order to work up enough courage to speak. These things might happen to us, or they might not. 
but we can draw on the inspiration they provide because Jesus has already done them all for us. Like that little girl, Jesus has been taken captive by his enemies, arrested in the garden where he was simply praying, abducted from his friends and family by brutal captors who mocked him and his strange religion that he was preaching. Jesus was put in chains to serve the purposes of those Jewish priests and elders and scribes. And through it all, Jesus loved his captors. Jesus spoke the truth in love to them even while they tortured him. The high priest whose calling was all tied up in pointing Israel to the coming Messiah was entirely blind to reality. He asks Jesus plainly, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Do you hear the gospel in that saying, Caiaphas? The Messiah has come. He stands before you. God has become a man, making himself available to his people. And he has promised to reveal his glory upon his return. At this good news, the supposed highest minister of God's own people had Jesus flogged and sent him to a Roman cross. And yet Jesus, supremely confident in the love of his Father, compassionately accepted all of it for joy. Even for the joy of seeing these same enemies turned from their hatred and washed clean of the leprosy of their sin. Jesus has allowed vengeance to belong to the Lord the Lord God, his heavenly Father. Jesus was entirely innocent of all the charges, but he did not resist. He did not cry out. Indeed, the judgment that rightly should have fallen on his captors, the righteous vengeance against sin that is, that is deserved by all sinners, including you and me, Jesus accepted as his own. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, after all, and so our Lord Jesus... The Lord God made man, stretched out his arms, and received upon his own head all the burning coals of divine vengeance against human sin, extinguishing their burning fire in his own body. Indeed, Jesus is the beloved servant of the Father who suffered terribly and then lay paralyzed, unmoving in death, lying silently under the roof of a borrowed tomb, fulfilling the requirement for a Sabbath rest that would restore humanity. And then the word was spoken. And the word made flesh arose, revealing his victory over sin, death, and the devil, revealing that vengeance is fulfilled, captives are freed, and new life has begun in him. It was not the bravery of the little girl nor the love of the centurion that made them useful in God's mission. Rather, it was their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their faith in this man, Jesus, God in the flesh, come to fulfill the mission of God that made them brave and loving. Our usefulness in God's mission here in Florida or in Spain or wherever the Lord takes us depends entirely on the simple, childlike, baptismal faith that the Lord has given to each of us. Baptismal faith connects us to Jesus, which connects us to his mission because Jesus is still fulfilling his mission. What we need is him forgiving, restoring, and empowering us. Where and how do we get prepared to serve in God's mission? Right here, right now, 
And every time that Spirit gathers us around his word and his supper to connect us ever more closely to Jesus Christ. Oh, that the Lord would make us wise to get more Jesus through his word and sacrament, filling our ears, our minds, our hearts, and even our bodies, feeding us and strengthening us with his word and with his body and blood. For when we have more Jesus, he will make us useful in his mission. Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and your servants will be healed and your mission will go forth. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Offer to it. 